My grandmother always used to tell me the story of when God woke her up to pray. It happened more than once in her lifetime, but this particular time she was a young mother of one and her husband, my grandfather, was stationed in Italy during World War II. My grandfather and others were being transported from one place to another by a troop ship and one particular night while my grandfather was sleeping near the lowest deck, an Italian agent was captured as he planted an explosive device at the very bottom of the vessel that my grandfather rested on. Through their correspondence, my grandfather and my grandmother learned that the night the enemy was captured was the same night that the Lord woke my grandmother up and she rolled out of that bed and got on her knees and prayed. His life and the lives of others were miraculously saved and you could not convince my grandmother otherwise. You could also not convince her that God's prompting and her praying were not connected and a part of that miracle. In Acts chapter 4, Peter knelt and he prayed for Tabitha to be raised from the dead and God instantly healed her. So my granny had biblical precedent. There you go. Now here's the thing. My grandfather, whose life was spared under the sovereignty of God in the 1940s, passed away on January 30th, 2009. What point am I making? Today we're going to read a sample size of where Jesus performed the miracle of healing a sick man, sovereignly sparing his life. But he died later. He most certainly died later, along with all of the other ones that he healed. Even if they were spared for a while, all of the folks that Jesus miraculously healed in Scripture later died. So why? Why did Jesus heal at all if all of those who were spared would later just die? Because his miracles were not just for show. His miracles were for a message. In the Scriptures, miracles were not given at random. They were to authenticate what God was trying to say. After giving Moses the power to perform miraculous signs, the Lord said to him, Then they will believe that the Lord, the God of their ancestors, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, really has appeared to you. In the Old Testament again, when the prophet Elijah stood around an altar before King Ahab and all of Israel and a host of prophets before their false gods, he challenged all of them to call on their God to bring down fire from heaven, to burn up a sacrifice on an altar and he mocked them as nothing happened and then Elijah called on the God of the Bible and fire flashed from heaven and burnt up the bull and the wood and everything around it why first Kings eighteen thirty nine. when the people saw it they fell face down on the ground and cried out the Lord is God yes he is God and now Jesus in Mark chapter 1 before the people, he is healing. He is casting out demons. He is substantiating the new message that he was sending at the beginning of Mark chapter 1, that the kingdom of God is near. When the king is in the house, the kingdom is there as well. And so Jesus was saying to them, the kingdom of God is near. Repent of your sins and turn to God. Repent of your sins and believe the good news. All of the miracles that he was working were substantiating his message. So if you're in Mark chapter 2, let's read together verses 
1 through 3. When Jesus returned to Capernaum, several days later, the news spread quickly that he was back home. Soon the house where he was staying was so packed with visitors that there was no more room, even outside the door. While he was preaching God's word to them, four men arrived carrying a paralyzed man on a mat. They couldn't bring him. Let's go ahead and read through the passage. They couldn't bring him to Jesus because of the crowd. So they dug a hole through the roof above his head. And then they lowered the man on his mat right down in front of Jesus. And seeing their faith, Jesus said to the paralyzed man, My child, your sins are forgiven. But some of the teachers of religious law who were sitting there thought to themselves, What is he saying? This is blasphemy. Only God can forgive sins. And Jesus knew immediately what they were thinking, so he asked them, why do you question this in your hearts? Is it easier to say to the paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or stand up, pick up your mat, and walk? So I will prove to you that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. And then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and said, stand up, pick up your mat, and go home. And the man jumped up, grabbed his mat, and walked out through the stunned onlookers. They were all amazed and praised God, exclaiming, we've never seen anything like this before. In Mark chapter 2, verses 1 through 3, Jesus speaks. He speaks. Even without the news traveling through social media or through cell service, news of Jesus and his power began to travel throughout the region of Galilee. And people heard what was going on by word of mouth, and they began to show up wherever Jesus went. So as Jesus makes his way back to his home place, whether he was at his home place or the home place of another, everybody showed up to meet him there. And because of the crowd, it's likely those who needed to get to Jesus were those that were probably at a distance from him because of their ailments. It's likely those that needed a a touch from the Lord were those that were slower to get there or farther away. But did you notice at the end of verse 2, Jesus had not posted on the socials that he was holding a healing service. Did you notice that? Everybody's showing up. You have people there that are, that are there to see a show. You have people there that are there to be healed. But nobody has said, especially Jesus, that y'all come on over. We're going to heal everybody that's in here. No, the scripture actually says while he was preaching the word to them. While he was preaching God's word to them. Again, miracles were not given at random in the scriptures. Miracles were given to authenticate a message. Miraculous acts of God are secondary to his revelation. His teaching is primary. His teaching, God's word, is primary. Meaning... That if you've come today seeking the Lord to do a great work in your life, it's quite possible that your greatest need is not a miracle, but his message. It's quite possible that what you need is not a touch from God, but the truth of God. That you need to hear his word. Are you right with God? Are you walking with God? Are you shining in your circumstance so that your faith may light the way for the hope of another? You see, instruction from God for those seasons may be found in His Word. It may be your conclusion that you need a different path today. You need God to do some kind of miracle that would change the way you're walking, but that is up to God. 
And he may and he may not give you another path, but he will certainly give you a lamp unto your feet to walk this one. He will give you light unto the path that you are on. I look back over my life and the greatest seasons of loss and frustration have also been the greatest seasons of growth. It's just the way it is when you walk with the Lord. And when God's Word has been the primary source of strength and sustainment, He will see you through whatever path that you are on. Now, as I say that, I am myself not inviting hard times. I don't want them just like you don't want them. But when they come, I know what to do when they get here. I know where to turn. And that it's not so much that I am in need of a miracle of God as the message of God. Because if we will trust God's Word to tell us how to be saved, y'all, if we would trust God's Word to tell us how to miss hell and make heaven, then we should also trust God's Word to tell us how to live, to tell us how to relate, to tell us how to do something different, and yes, even to tell us how to suffer. Jesus speaks. In Mark chapter 2, verses 4 through 7, Jesus sees. He sees faith, and he sees doubt. These men... And I've heard sermons about these men and these men getting their friend to Jesus. And that's another sermon for another day because you can certainly get there. As they were basically interceding on behalf of their loved one. But these men made a great effort to get one in need of God and his truth before God himself. Before Jesus. Even really towards the destruction of property it seems. Like they dug a hole out of somebody's house. And let the man down through the roof. And every time I read this, I always think about the homeowner. Like, everybody, he stands up, picks up his mat, everybody's cheering. That's awesome, man. Glory to God. And the homeowner's like, that is awesome. Who's going to help me fix this roof? Like, guys, that's great for y'all. Verse 5 says, Jesus, seeing their faith, he saw their faith. Their faith brought them forward. They, they made their way to the roof, cut a hole in the roof, dropped them down because they believe the Son of God. Their faith brings them forward. An admission, an acknowledgement of need for whatever Jesus had. And Jesus had more power, more than power to heal. He was telling the crowd, repent of your sins and believe the good news. That he is the one the world had been waiting on. That Jesus is the answer to the question of God. Jesus is a solution to the problem of sin. And sometimes we overthink it. We begin to think about what do we have to do to get this right? What do we have to say to make sure that it's right? What do we have to do to make sure it keeps with us? What do we have to do in order to be a Christian? And we begin to overthink all of these things. But faith brings us forward simply and seriously. When, when I was preaching an Easter service at Lindsay Lane East not too long ago... I remember getting to the end of the message and then I began the invitation and I bowed my head and I closed my eyes and I'd already invited people down and I'm praying and thanking God for what he's doing and what he's going to do and we're inviting people and in Jesus' name, amen. And when I popped up my head, there was a guy standing in front of me face to face, almost nose to nose, like it kind of freaked me out a little bit. I was like, amen, you know, like, like he was right there. I can tell you his name. I know exactly who it is. And I said, hey, man, I knew his name, called him by name. And he said, I need to be saved. I guarantee you at that moment, 
He had more questions than he had answers, but he knew he needed God. He knew he needed forgiveness, and he had heard the word, and it said that he could be forgiven. So when the time came, his faith brought him forward. What about you? You're not right with God because you walk an aisle. I didn't call upon the name of the Lord to be saved at the altar. I called upon the name of the Lord beside my bed growing up. You've heard Brother Dusty's testimony of calling on the Lord in a, in a bedroom closet. You don't, you don't have to walk the aisle to be right with God, but let me tell you something. God certainly knows if you want to walk it. He knows your heart and knows if you want his forgiveness and the help of others. You don't have to walk an aisle to be saved. You walk an aisle to be supported. I would encourage you, even now, even as I speak, as, even as we get to the invitation, that if, if you thought to yourself, I always knew I needed forgiveness, I know I need to be saved, I want to make sure, then I would encourage you to just close your eyes and call upon the name of the Lord to be saved, to bring your sin forward so that you may be right with God. Whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. That is the truth of the Scripture. If we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised Him from the dead, we will be saved. If that faith is bubbling up and that need of recognition of, the, of God's righteousness and your sin and your need for God is happening, then let your faith bring you forward. But in a crowd, there, there are those that believe and there are those that don't. Y'all, if everybody here is saved, we got problems of evangelism. That means we need to get out and bring some other folks in here with us. But in a crowd of this size, for sure, there are those that believe and there are those that don't. It was the same in Jesus' day as he is preaching, as he is doing miracles, as he is ridding people of evil spirits. There are those that believe and there are those that are like, I don't know about this. Verse 8, Jesus says, or the Bible says, Jesus knew immediately what they were thinking. Speaking of the religious leaders, he knew what they were thinking. He sees their thoughts. He asked them, why do you question this in your hearts? Another translation of this verse says, Jesus perceived in his spirit that they were thinking like this within themselves. He said, not only did Jesus see the faith of the group that came forward, he saw the doubt of those that would push them away. He saw both in the hearts. Faith brings forward, doubt turns away. I heard the testimony of a man last week that, that stood up and, and said, when I finally went to church... I thought it was as if the person that invited me told the preacher my whole personal history. Because after he got done preaching, I felt like he had talked to me the entire time if he had talked to no one else. Truth be told, in my short stint in ministry, I've been told by that, or I've been told that from people, some of you in here, some of the people at East, that were like, I felt like you were talking to me, speaking to me the whole entire time, just me. Well, I'm here to set the record straight. I do not have the gift of telepathy. I cannot read your minds. I don't get emails of your personal history if somebody has invited you here today and said, speak on this. Nor does any other preacher. They do that's weird and they don't have enough things to do. I'd also like to admit to you that I'm with you, y'all. I have sat under preaching before. And felt like the sermon was entitled, The Sin of Andy John King. Seriously. I'm like, 
Well, he's exposed me right then and there. He's talking about me, y'all, just so y'all know. Like, I felt that way myself when I've been under the Word of God. My friends, God has access to your thoughts because God is all-knowing, and He knows everything. When His Word is preached and when we are exposed in our heart, He is working towards our response. And I don't know exactly what everybody's going through. I know what some people are going through. But one of the first times I realized that how God's Spirit works is after a funeral, somebody came up to me and said, the Spirit of God spoke to me through your message the entire time. And they begin to tell me what it is that God spoke to their heart, and I didn't say anything about any of that. I'm serious. I didn't touch on that at all. And she told me, God spoke to me clearly. I felt like you were speaking right to me. That's because God is pursuing you through his word. Jesus didn't rebuke them. He asked them, why do you question this in your hearts? He's trying to get you to think. He's trying to get you to think about where you are and where you need to be and to consider why they would have what he is giving out. Why they would want what he is giving out. Why, why they would doubt instead of believe. Why are you questioning this in your hearts? You have seen the power of God before you. You have seen lives literally be changed in front of you. You have seen the power of God as spirits of evil are taken out and they are freed up to live. You have seen this. Why are y'all questioning this? Why are you canceling Jesus? Why, why are you throwing out anything could ever change in your life? So let me be clear. I don't know what's in your private life. And I don't know what's on your mind. But God knows what we're thinking, and I mean all of us. God knows how your weekend went. In fact, that's a whole lot of reasons sometimes we don't want to come on Sunday mornings because Saturday night wasn't that great. And neither was a few days before. And God knows it. And you know that when you get here, it, I could be preaching on anything, but God's Spirit's going to wear you out. Thank the Lord for that. Because whom he loves, he disciplines. He chastises. Listen to John chapter 2, verse 25. No one needed to tell Jesus about human nature, for he knew what was in each person's heart. All of them. He knows if today we have regret or resentment. He knows today if we have apathy or desire. He knows if we are distracted. Even right now that you are more invested in your phone than you are in the message of the Word of God. He knows right now if you are worried or afraid about the week that's coming up. You haven't heard anything yet because your mind is completely on what is before you. He knows all of our doubts and our skepticism. He knows whether you're in here because you want to be or somebody's making you be. He knows it. And if we would acknowledge that this morning the reason why God's Spirit convicts our heart of sin and of need for God and His righteousness, then we may move from the turning away side to the faith forward side. Mark chapter 2, verses 5 and 9 and 10. Jesus speaks and Jesus sees, but Jesus also knows. Look at verse 5. Seeing their faith. Jesus said to the paralyzed man, my child... Your sins are forgiven. And then in verse 9 and 10, is it easier to say to the paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or stand up, pick up your mat, and walk? So I will prove to you that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. And then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and said, stand up, pick up your mat, and go home. Jesus asked 
Is it easier to say to the paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or stand up, pick up your mat, and walk? Well, it's easier on earth to say your sins are forgiven. One of the reasons why is because it's a shorter sentence. (laughs) Now, the other... The other is because you don't have to see the proof. You, can't, you, you don't have to see the proof that your sins are forgiven. He can just say it. On the other side, when he says you're healed, you've got to be able to see that. And so only God can do both at the end of the day. So you know what? Jesus said, I'll just do them both. And he told him that his sins were forgiven. He forgives him immediately, and immediately he's forgiven. And then he goes the extra step to prove his divine power, and he heals him completely. Jesus' purpose, though, was not to prove that he had the power to heal. His purpose was to prove to them all that he had the authority to forgive. That was why he was doing all of that. But because he was revealing himself and because he's good, he healed that man before the multitudes after pronouncing his forgiveness. Many Jews believe that disease was a direct result of sin. That he was paralyzed because something that he had done that was so egregious that it left him with this paralysis. Now, sometimes our physical ailments are a result of our choices. Sometimes we choose what we're going to do with our life and our body, and it invites consequences. But other times, and many times, it's simply a result of living in a world where sin has cursed creation. There ain't a soul in here that's never been sick. We've all been sick because we don't live in a perfect world. Varying degrees, of course. But regardless, I know that God can work much glory and good from physical weakness. In fact, the Bible says His power works best in weakness. And His grace is all we need. Regardless, I know that Jesus knew not only His greatest need, But he knew the greatest need of everybody else looking on. Because while there were some in that crowd that had physical impairments and ailments, all of them had sin. Jesus knows our greatest need. Y'all hear me? Forgiveness. That is our greatest need. We don't need so much relief from pain as we do peace with God. This is our greatest need. The paralyzed man, the teachers of religious law, and all the rest and in between needed peace with God. They needed the power to live purposeful and a life right with God, with the Almighty. And Psalm chapter 86 verse 5, listen to this word of hope. says, O Lord, you are so good, so ready to forgive, so full of unfailing love for all who ask you for help. Did y'all hear the good news? Oh, Lord, you are so good. You're so ready to forgive. You see, sometimes we have so much sin that we don't want to drag it in there because we know that the preacher's going to preach and the Spirit of God's going to convict. But no, it's to turn us from our sin into God. And the Bible says that he is ready to forgive. He's full of unfailing love for all who ask for help. That is the good news to receive right there. So whether you've not called on him forever ever about asking him to come in to be your lord and savior or whether you not talked to him for a while or maybe you just had a bad day yesterday you need to know that he's ready and willing and waiting to hear you ask for that forgiveness 
One theologian said this, forgiveness meets the greatest need. It costs the greatest price. And it brings the greatest blessing and the most lasting results. And when Jesus said, your sins are forgiven, listen to this. When Jesus said, your sins are forgiven, peace with God is immediate. I mean, that's what it means, y'all. When he says you're forgiven, you're forgiven. When my children are going through things, and, and we're talking about discipline and what's been done and all this, and we go back and forth, there are times when Brittany and I are like, all right, you're good. We said you were good, now carry on. If God says you're good, carry on. Confess and forsake your sin, and don't come back to it. Don't be like that dog that returns to its vomit. I hate that word, but that's in the Scripture. Don't be like that dog that comes back to it. He has freed you from that. Oh, Lord, you're so good. You're ready to forgive. You're ready and full of unfailing love for all who ask you for help. He didn't have to wait. This man didn't have to wait till death or judgment when he stood before God. He had assurance right then he was forgiven. He had peace with God. No need to worry if he was or not because Jesus said he was. And that's on the authority of God. And you can have the same. You can have the same. Why not today? Why not today call on the Lord to be forgiven? Why not have peace with God before you leave? You're thinking about all the things you need to do after, thinking about all the things you need to do to stay right and how sometimes it's work and sometimes it ain't. Why don't you just call and trust the Lord and not trust your actions? Be weak and vulnerable before God and somebody else to get the support of the church. Now listen, we have to be careful here because we recognize... Or we have to be careful here to recognize the contrast between what we feel is best relative to our life and what God values most. God cares about His glory. And it just so happens that His glory works for our good. And listen to this. Now, this is not the easy part. And this is the heavy part. God knows whether or not His glory and the forgiveness of others will be revealed best in healing, suffering, or death. I'm going to let y'all just have that for a second. God cares about His glory. He cares about people. And His glory works for our good. But He knows best whether His glory and the forgiveness of others will be more through healing, suffering, or even death. When Lazarus died, when Lazarus died, Jesus stayed where he was for two days. He did not rush back and raise Lazarus from the dead. There was a family of followers that were there knowing God was present on earth. But he was away, and he was away for two days. And, and the immediate power that could just free him from death right then and there they were left to themselves and they grieved. They grieved over their loved one who had died. And the Bible says in John eleven four, 4, Jesus said, It happened for the glory of God so that he, the Son of God, will receive glory from this. They will see how awesome God is even through death. And then later, he said to Martha, Didn't I tell you that you would see God's glory if you believed? God getting glory here, y'all listen to this. God getting glory here was not in the context of healing. It was not. In fact, it was not even an illness 
God getting the glory was in the context of death. Lazarus was a friend of Jesus. That's what the Bible says. Jesus called him a friend, our friend, which means that a friend of God has eternal life. But those who were waiting and hoping and grieving, God was about to strengthen their joy and their trust in Christ through death. See, I wrote this note down as we were singing. We sing, there's nothing that our God can't do. But sometimes it's not that we don't believe. It's not that what our God can't do. It's just not he's not doing what we want. You know, I even noticed that as Dwayne said that. Don't you believe that there's nothing that our God can't do? And for those of us that are going through things, it's not a quick, amen. It's a quick, why don't he do this then? John eleven forty five 45 tells us that once Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead and his family saw that, John eleven forty five 45 says, many of the people who were with Mary believed in Jesus when they saw this happen. God knows if his glory and the forgiveness of others will come more through healing, suffering, or death. I want, let's think about this for a minute. We would rather Lazarus, if he was our loved one, not to have died at all, <laughs> right? If, if we're Mary and Martha, we're just like, well, that was great, but like we, we didn't even have to go through this, right? Like we would rather him not even die at all, but God knew that his death would deepen their reliance. And I know that many of you today within your circumstances, and I know some of you are carrying heavy burdens and circumstances that I've never even been close to. And for those of you, you may say to me, well, this is easy for you to say, to talk about deepening reliance on God and strengthening them character because you've not walked a mile in our shoes. And the truth is, I've not. Many of you, I've not gone through what you are going through or what you've been through. But please just know this, I'm just a messenger that's teaching the Word of God and God getting glory and working for the good of man can happen through healing or suffering. And I know there's not a whole lot of amens on that. Listen, at the end of the day, we want life, right? At the end of the day, we want life. That's how we're built. So if we're honest, if Jesus would have stopped at forgiveness without healing him, then we would have all said, well, you could have healed him while you're at it. Or you said he was forgiven. That's great. But the way that we think and the way that we operate, we would have said, well, that's not enough. Heal the man. You got the power. But Jesus was meeting his greatest need. Not a temporary existence, but eternal life. The kind that starts immediately when you live on this earth and have accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior. What if Jesus having the power to give him heaven just made him walk again and sent him on? What if Jesus said, you're healed, and he left without responding to the message? That's not goodness. Yeah, it's almost like we love our life so much here that what is a remedy for our body takes place above what God would do with our soul. We must realize the priority of what Jesus was trying to accomplish before the crowds of people. Yes, he could give them more time on earth, but he could also give them forever in heaven. And speaking of thanksgiving, church, have we truly from our hearts 
thank God lately for our salvation. Have we truly, I mean for real, thank God in song, in praying, in sharing for what God has done for us. God made a way for us not to be separate from him in a devil's hell. But God made a way for us to have fellowship with him in the Father's house forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. So when is the last time that we have truly given God a thank you? Because the weight of our sin is so much and so small and so large it doesn't matter. But the weight of our sin is so much that we are separate from God. The scripture says that we are in death away from God. The time between when I knew that I was a sinner and when I got saved was the heaviest time of my life. And I'm talking about the only, that was only about an hour. Sitting in the back of a church right back there on that side, I heard the gospel preached by a preacher of a local church. Talked about the bad news of sin and the good news of God that Jesus lived a life we couldn't live and showed us and served and sacrificed for us. Died a death we couldn't die. And raised from the grave. And all the power of God with power we don't have. And that night, my, my parents led me to the Lord. I heard the gospel preach. And then my mother told me about Jesus. My daddy sat on the other side. And that night, I called upon the name of the Lord to be saved. But that time between when I heard it and when I accepted it was the heaviest time of my life. But when I called on Jesus to save me, and by the authority of God's word, I had met God on his terms, burden lifted. Peace with God. I'm going to tell you, you got a hold of me, y'all. got a hold of me. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that when I die, my family won't have to wonder if I'm with the Lord or not. Thank you, Lord, that, that when I die... I have the assurance now while I live that I'm going to bust heaven wide open. Not because of anything that I bring to the table, but because of everything that God has done for me and he made it available. Finally, Jesus cares. He knows our greatest need, but he also cares. I want you to hear this as we get ready to close. I think it's important to close with this today because most all of us know a situation or a person here that's sick. That needs healing, that needs help from God. How, how many of you, just by a show of hands, how many of you this week have prayed for somebody that's sick? All over the building, happens every time I knew what the answer would be. We all know somebody that's sick. We all are praying for those that are in a situation of sickness. Maybe you yourself have praying for yourself because you yourself are dealing with an illness. Because of that, I want you to hear this today. While physical healing may or may not be the will of God, I do think we need to understand there's more to his healing before the multitudes than just his desire for the message of God's kingdom to be communicated. It's not just the message of the kingdom, y'all. It's the character of the king. The healing of Jesus was not just about the power of God. It was also about his goodness. I want you to think about that. God would reveal himself before the people and he chose to reveal himself through healing an act of sure goodness. 
That's born out of the holiness of God. Healing is because the God is good and because God is holy. So hear me when I say this today. God cares when you are sick. Did y'all hear that? That is a biblical conclusion that I studied this week. And it's not very deep theologically, but I believe it's sound. God cares for you when you're sick. He cares about it when we're praying and asking God to heal and to help. Because in Mark chapter 1, verses 29 through 34, you just look over there a page. The Bible says, after Jesus left the synagogue with James and John, they went to Simon and Andrew's home. Now, we're not told right then and there that the crowds were there when they got there. So basically, Jesus is there with Simon and Andrew, and Simon's mother-in-law was sick in bed with a high fever. And they told Jesus about her right away. Verse 31. So he went to her bedside, took her by the hand, and helped her sit up. That's a caregiver. I want you to... You got to close your eyes. You can close your eyes and picture this. Jesus goes to her bedside, the most popular guy around, the most in demand, goes to her bedside and takes that woman by the hand. And then he helps her sit up. And then the fever left her. And she prepared a meal for them. That evening after sunset, many sick and demon-possessed people were brought to Jesus and the whole town gathered at the door to watch. So Jesus healed many people who were sick with various diseases and he cast out many demons. But because the demons knew who he was, he did not allow them to speak. Y'all, Jesus got in that room with her, held her hand, and helped her sit up before the crowds came. That's not a show of any kind. That's the goodness of God. That is the character of our King. Later, in chapter 1, verse 41, after an appeal from a man with leprosy, Jesus reaches out to heal the man. Do you know why? The Bible says he was moved with compassion. He cared. He cared that he was suffering and cared that he knew that he needed him. God may not always heal because physical healing is not his priority. But make no mistake, God always cares. Always. And because he does, y'all, go to him. Because he cares, you run to him. There was a time in my life when our family went through suffering and I thought to myself, why would I even pray? God, you're going to do whatever you're going to do anyway. But if I would have saturated myself in the word of God and saw the truth of how he cared for those and how his priority was to make sure that we don't have just this life, but we have eternal life forever, then I would have trusted and suffered better. And I wondered... During that time, should we even pray? Should we even ask God to heal and to help? But in Mark chapter 1 verse 30, the Bible says they told Jesus about their sick mother-in-law. And then in Mark chapter 1 verse 40, the man with leprosy came forward to Jesus, got to his feet and begged him to be healed. And don't forget in the scriptures that the men brought their friend to Jesus. They were interceding on his behalf. As one author said, Whatever dark tunnel we may be called upon to travel through, God has been there. Yes, God cares. And y'all listen to this one more. He loves. He loves. And while physical healing is not the ultimate will of God, it is well within God's goodness and power to restore. So today, I say this. If you need forgiveness, call on the Lord and come for support.
And if you need healing, call on the Lord and come for support. Amen? Let's stand to our feet.